Welcome to the Moose Room, everybody. I have a confession. <laughs> we we've already recorded or tried to record this episode, and uh, I never hit the record button. We got 20 minutes in before we realized that I had never hit the record button. My co-hosts were quite happy. It was it was good. Um, I will say, Joe, your reaction, although it made me feel very sad for you, was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the thing I'm most sad that we weren't recording so that we don't have that reaction. Yeah, there but, was uh, yes. there, there was some profanity. There was I didn't throw anything, which is surprising, but it was close. There was a follow up late night. I'm sorry. Text from Joe to me and Bradley. Yeah, I do not like wasting other people's time. And that that's definitely what it was last week. <laughs> he was so. he was pretty gutted. Yeah, it's all good. We're we're back. We're right right back at it. I'm surprised it didn't happen before this. We're forty some episodes in, and I hadn't done it yet. So, and I can confirm that we are recording right now. We are recording. And I saw as soon as Joe brought us in, all three of us looked up at the corner of our screen where it says if it's recording or not. Yeah, we're ready to go this we got time. This. We got it. Yes, I've got yeah. post-it notes everywhere telling me that I can't forget to hit the record button. We're good so, to go. Joe, what are we talking about and actually recording today? Today, we are talking again and recording for the first time our dehorning episode. So we're just going to talk about dehorning today, some of the different options, some of the recommendations that are out there, guidelines from the industry, other things that we need to do. Last time we tried to talk about this, I think we started by talking about why do we do it in the first place? Yeah, that, wow. Thanks for taking my talking point, Joe. Is that is that what we did? I already yeah. told you guys. You should tell me <laughs> what I said last time. Fine. It's like, it's like wow. Emily wants to say something and we're just we're just waiting. Mm. <clears throat> so why do we dehorn? That is the question. For me, first and foremost, and I know this was something you mentioned second or third, Joe, um, when you said this last time, but weren't recording. And that is human safety, animal safety. So animals can hurt each other. They can hurt people, you know, if they have horns and all of that. So I don't think we need to get into the details. Another one is that Joe, I remember you saying, cause I'd never thought of this is carcass quality. So if all of your cattle have horns and they're fighting and running into each other and their sides are getting poked, uh, there's a possibility that their meat is going to be bruised when they go to market. And so those are the two I can remember. And I feel like I'm forgetting another one. And I'm going to feel very dumb when you tell me what it is. I don't think I had much else. I mean, it was, it was oh, human safety, animal safety. But I think what I was talking about mostly was that we shouldn't have to do it at all. That's my, yes. that's my, my thing exactly. is that ideally we could just not do it at all. On the beef side, we have kind of figured that out. Most of our breeds are pulled. There's no dehorning that happens. And I am hard pressed to justify if you're a beef cattle owner having genetics that have horns. I'm, I'm very hard pressed to, to justify that. I can't find a reason that that's to me is okay at this point in the game where the genetics that are available that are pulled are there, there's so many choices that there's no reason to choose anything with horns anymore. And that goes to the dairy side too. When you're bringing beef in and you're using your, your beef on the dairy side, it better not have horns. It's just a huge added benefit that you don't have to dehorn those animals. 
And I don't know, Brad, maybe you can talk about how close we are on the genetic side to getting to that point on the dairy side where we're actually using pole genetics too. We're, there are pole genetics in the dairy industry and in all breeds have them, but it's a, we're probably a long ways away from getting an entire polled herd. You can look at some breeds, polled genetics tend to be a little bit, I shouldn't say inferior a lot, but they are less milk production, things like that. On a pulled bull, that shouldn't stop people from using pulled genetics if they want to, but it's a factor to consider that they are less productive or net merit. In the Jersey breed, a little bit different. There's probably, you see more pulled genetics in the Jersey breed, at least offered from AI companies. And there's been pulled in probably the, in the Jersey breed, a lot more pulled genetics offered for a long time compared to Holstein's. What about other countries? You get it, Brad. Brad. You like jerseys. Yes. I mean, I'm all on board with it. Just one more we reason that you should be using jerseys. And Hereford. Don't forget. I know. If there are some genetic lines with horns, though. Yes. Got to stay away from those. But Bradley, something from last week when we weren't recording. The <laughs> You said in other countries, there's some countries that have more of an emphasis on pole genetics. And I don't know if you remember saying that. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, well, so there's... Norwegian red has uh, 40 to 50% of their entire herd is pulled. You know, they've selected for it for a long time to get to that point. This is, we're talking 20 years to get to a pulled, half pulled herd. So they've put a lot more emphasis on the pulled genetics uh, just because of, you know, pain and all of that in dehorning. So yeah, there are, there are breeds around the world doing that. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's the direction I'd love to see all of it go because I I mean I, I'm just not I'm not a fan of the process. I don't like doing it. I still think it's necessary if you do it correctly uh, and at the right time, which is probably what we should talk about next. Uh, the age at which we should be doing this dehorning. Uh, Emily, did you? I can't remember what you said. What what did you guys do growing up? So we would dehorn calves at. I would say within the first week or two and we would use paste and put duct tape over it so that it wouldn't get all goopy everywhere or they'd rub it somewhere else on their body. That's what we always did. And, and I know I had said in a previous episode, we had one cow with one horn. Her name was Ragamuffin. Otherwise our, our dehorning strategy seemed to work very effectively. I, I like paste. I think it can be used really well if you do it correctly. If you're going to do paste, I like to shave so you can see that tiny little horn bud and you get good contact with the paste. And then the duct tape is perfect. That's a great way to do it because that keeps the paste where it's supposed to be. It keeps other calves from licking it, all that kind of stuff. And I think one thing, though, people don't realize with paste is it can cause pain as well. The paste does. I think some people think that, oh, we'll we'll just put paste on it and they won't have any pain or we don't see the pain. Well, that sometimes. I mean, it's caustic paste isn't it right and it can burn for two to three days afterwards and instead of having a a disbudding where it's maybe a few hours so there are some considerations with paste if if you use paste nothing wrong with that but uh, there is pain associated with the paste as well 
Yeah. And, and we're going to, that's going to be a common theme that we talk about today, pain management with dehorning. Um, and the other theme that you'll, you'll hear from us today is that the earlier, the better is really what it comes down to in, in mitigating the impact of that, that procedure. For me, I'm a big fan of cautery. So using a burner to, to burn horns. I think that's my favorite method to go. Uh, go with because it's pretty definitive when you're done and when you've completed the procedure. Again, it's better the earlier the better when it comes to that procedure. Pain wise, what what are you guys doing for pain up at at on the organic herd, Bradley? I think that's that's a good place to start because there's not as much access to to certain things on the organic side. Uh, well, there's lots of things. Well, there's some things you can do with organic. So I should start out and say lidocaine is. People, farms do use lidocaine for disbudding calves in organic systems. It is approved on the organic list, so you can use lidocaine, a corneal nerve block to dehorn. Some farms and others have used tinctures. So a tincture, this one product we call Dullet, it's a tincture of apple cider vinegar, white willow bark, and some other uh, natural plant-based products in there that is that we've used to reduce pain in our organic animals. And the dullet, how how do you use that? Is it a topical or or what do you what do you how do you use that that uh, product? It's two cc's, two cc's in the mouth uh, before and two cc's afterwards. So it's an oral product. Okay, and that and you have data on that, right? It's not it's not just something that you that that someone pulled out of nowhere out of left field right there's actually data behind some of it and you guys are also doing a study on it right now to to enhance that data right that's right we did a study with it a couple of years ago or two years ago where we looked at cortisol levels so a measure of pain in animals that were uh, disbudded and we did see a a good you know response we i think long term the the dullet helped reduce long term pain the lidocaine works right away at dehorning. You know, you have less pain. There's still pain associated with lidocaine. It's not like the pain goes away. Uh, even when you, you know, we use five cc's of lidocaine on each horn bud, there still is pain there. We also looked at kind of, I would say, simulating disbudding, you know, where we just handled the animal, put it in the chute, put a a cold iron on it so we didn't dehorn it and they still have a stress response to uh, just the handling of and and disbudding so there's you know trying to reduce stress at any time point is essential in any dairy yeah with the dehorning i think that that's a huge point to make that we always talk about low stress handling when we talk about uh, larger animals and and milking cows and beef cattle but uh, we have to remember that 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 applies to the the little calves as well absolutely applies and and like you said there's a lot of studies that show that even just the handling causes that same cortisol spike uh and the stress that's related to that handling so so it's you know it's really inconclusive whether it, it works long term i think there's lots of things that we learned on it whether you could maybe there there's a time where we use lidocaine and dollet together both you know as sort of helping some pain mitigation or we use some other products along with it maybe a flunixin, a banamine, which is allowed in organics. So I think like any good research, it asks more questions than what answers we found. I guess if I'm, if I'm going to look at what 
I would prefer happen. I always have a couple of places that I look. The, the first place I go for guidelines when it comes to procedures, especially is the AABP guidelines, which are the American Association of Bovine Practitioners. It's a group of veterinarians that have come together and, and basically created a, a in collaboration with each other peer-reviewed guidelines uh, for the industry on what to do with certain procedures. They have a set on, on dehorning guidelines. And really, you know, we're, we're looking at preferably when it comes to age, they should be less than eight weeks and actually preferably less than two weeks old when we're doing that procedure. And I think to me, it makes sense, especially to do it before six weeks of age because then we're way ahead of weaning and we're not doubling up on the stress at weaning. I like the earlier, the better under two weeks, if you can, I think that's, that's great restraint on that end. You know, you can use chemical restraint. That's something I did in, in practice a lot. We use a combination of, of drugs that would actually knock these calves down and they would lay flat out and still give them lidocaine, still give them NSAIDs and any kind of anti-inflammatory drug. But that way it's very safe, especially with a burner. I've been burned a bunch of times. I got pretty good scars from them when, when you got calves that move too much. So I like chemical restraint if you need it or a really, really good shoot um, to allow you to control animals very well. And I've seen that before on, on some farms. It's quite interesting that it's like these calves are just knocked out. They're just laying there almost dead-like and you just, uh, you know, burn them and, and then they come, come to in a little bit. Certainly helps from a, a human standpoint to reduce, you know, because there's a risk factor, like you said, you could get burned or you can poke yourself with lidocaine or you, you name it. So that those are, there's all kinds of safety uh, things related to disbudding as well. Yeah. And that's I approve Bradley. Yeah. The safety expert has given her approval. <laughs> I think the, the big thing uh, with all of that is that you need to have a veterinarian involved. Those, those drugs are controlled. And you need to have a veterinarian involved to do that, that piece of it, at least knocking the calves down. I really like that method with the certain drugs that we use because they're reversible. So if there is a problem or I don't like the way a calves are looking, I have something that I can give that will wake that calf up pretty much immediately. So that, that? I think it's really safe. What kind of good safe? drugs are those? I, I don't know How if do I should we get be given, given out this, this <laughs> recipe uh, on the air, but um, secret sauce. I know secret sauce <laughs> for dehorning calves. No, it's a combination of xylazine and butorphanol. A lot of people don't know butorphanol is torbogesic, and then you wake them up with a drug called tolazine. So that would be the fact that it's reversible is really nice, mm -hmm. uh, and and they come out of it very quickly, and it makes it much easier when you have to do something with a really large animal, because I don't want that you know big rumen on a cow flat out, you know, and not able to control her airway very much. So it allows you to wake them up pretty quickly. So there you go. I'm not going to tell you the ratios, all that stuff. Talk to your veterinarian. They can help you. Yeah, okay. of course. See the vet. See the vet. <laughs> See the vet. They got to be involved. Those are controlled drugs. Uh, yeah. You got to have the vet involved. All right. So uh, as far as uh, these guidelines for, for pain, uh, definitely lidocaine, that lidocaine block to block the nerves, the immediate pain, and then ideally something to control the pain longer term in the form of an NSAID. Like uh, Brad mentioned, flunixin is one of the, the options, also proof for organic. So that's a big piece 
only downfall with flunixin for me is that it has to be given IV ideally. So if you're really good at hitting veins, perfect. Uh, if not, it really shouldn't go intramuscular. There's just risks associated with that. What about poron? Do you think a poron would help? The poron uh, banamine? I, I do know some people that do that. It is quite a bit more expensive. So it that's is, yes. One of, yep. one, of the, one of the issues, but I would think it would work. It's not labeled for that. And I don't like seeing it on dairies sometimes um, just because it's not labeled for milking cattle. And the poron banamine is not approved for organics. No, no, no. Yeah, that's good to so, put it out there. That is, yep. that is not approved. Brett, poron don't, don't say that. <laughs> I said you could use the poron banamine. No, 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 no. No, you can use the injectable banamine and it should go IV. Uh, otherwise, there is another drug that I love. I love this drug. I think it's excellent. I think it's great for scours. I think it's great for all sorts of things. Um, but it is extra label drug use. Again, you're going to have to get your veterinarian involved. It is approved in other countries. It's not here in the U.S. And that's meloxicam. So ask your veterinarian about meloxicam. It can be put in in a lot of places. Uh, only place I hesitate is in milking cattle and fresh cows because it takes a while to clear. And because it's extra label drug use, there is a zero tolerance. It cannot show up in the bulk tank, even the tiniest amount. So talk to your vet about meloxicam. That's a great NSAID. Actually has some effectiveness out to 24, 48 hours on one dose. So And it's great. oral as well. It's yeah. oral as well, right? So it's really easy to give. It's not like you have to give a shot or anything. So that makes it really easy for farmers. And it's cheap. Right. Real cheap. So talk to your vet about meloxicam. Burn horns under two weeks old. Shave if you have to so you can see them. Use meloxicam or some kind of NSAID. Try to use lidocaine. Not, it's not that hard to use. Most veterinarians are more than happy to show you how to do that uh, to help you mitigate the pain on your farm. Uh, I just taught someone yesterday and she did an excellent job. Well, here's a good question. And Emily asked it even at the beginning. Why do we dehorn? Well, my question is, do we have to dehorn? Why do we have to dehorn? Do we have to? So I would say that is very dependent on your facilities and your employees and the people working with the cattle. And that magical M word. Management. 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 There you go. So <laughs> yes, perfect. I, I mean, that's what it comes down to for me. In most systems, I think it's better to just not have horns anywhere. Now, if if you're going to not dehorn, uh, you you have to make that decision because I am I'm very against coming out to take big horns off. I hate it. It's so terrible for the cattle. It's so painful. It, it's just, it's a disaster and I don't like doing it. And why would not, people even do that? I mean, wouldn't you think at that point that they would just Well, let there's it go? lots of reasons. Some of, uh, here's an interesting story, a story time with Brad. Story, story time. time with Bradley. It's, you can use it for biodynamic farming. I was on a biodynamic farm in uh, Germany as Fleckvi cows and you basically, when the cow dies or whatever on farm, you cut their horns off and you uh, put some manure in, in the horns. You bury them, dig them up in the spring, and then add them to a fertilizer and spray your, your ground. So it's a part of a biodynamic fertilization process. There, there's lots of, Joe's given me this big smirk, like what in the world is he talking about? How many cows are dying that that's going to make a difference? 
well you don't need a lot you know you don't need a lot hmm. but there it is uh, horns are involved in biodynamic farming <laughs> look that one up look up okay. biodynamic I'm, I'm gonna have to it sounds like something skeptical. michael j cruz phd would do yes that's right yeah we're just gonna call him but out there are the uh the dutch belted dairy that i'm gonna have can be a biodynamic farm and i know well, and I, I, some... I agree bradley it's not absolutely necessary if you have really calm cattle and employees that really handle cattle calmly i think that you can get by with horns and you're gonna you're gonna have to figure it out anyway because that's what you're gonna do up at your place so yeah and i know there are some people that do listen to our podcast that do have horns on their cattle mm-hmm. and that's okay and we're gonna go into that realm as well as a research project here where we're gonna have 30 calves that we're not going to dehorn ever and they will have horns and it gets a little crazy these two may be able to see i got a nice wonderful picture of a cow a heifer that's a 12 month old heifer at our research center that has nice horns on it so we do have a few animals so far that have horns but we'll we're going to do the research because there's nothing that says you have to dehorn your animals and but there's it's no pain for the, possibly no pain for the animal, but there comes lots of other implications as you had talked about before. So if you were going to not dehorn uh, and it's a conscious decision, I'd probably be more fine with none of the cattle being dehorned and all of the cattle having horns than having a mix of both. Because then you don't have cattle that have something to use that the other cattle don't. I mean, you have right, a right. that socially has an impact. On yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm very biased, right? I want cattle to be dehorned for meat quality, for safety, for, you know, safety for humans and animals. But at the same time, if you, if you feel like your management is good enough and your facilities are good enough and your cattle handling is good enough and all your temperament, docility of your cows is good enough, I have no problem with you consciously choosing not to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. Well, we'll, so we'll, it's, we'll keep you updated on what's going on in Morris with all these cattle with horns, I guess. We're also doing some other dehorning stuff with calves. That's sort of a big project that we got going on where we're going to look at, you know, different, you know, flunixin, banamine. We're going to look at salicylic acid. So it's white willow bark extract as a means of pain mitigation in for organic animals. So we're going to actually be doing some more pain mitigation stuff from a natural perspective and, and see what happens. Kind of follow these animals all the way through and looking at their behavior and then eventually looking at their milk production. I mean, that's going to be really important knowledge to get because we just we need all the knowledge we can on the, the pain mitigation side, especially on the organic side where our options are limited. All right. I think we've covered dehorning and we actually recorded it this time. So uh, this is already much better than last time. <laughs> We're having so, so much more fun this time. So much more fun because it, it's recording. Because Joe's it not times. yelling and swearing. Oh, there, there was lots of it, all sorts <laughs> of it. All right, let's wrap it there. If you have comments, questions, scathing rebuttals about dehorning, about anything else, please email themoosroom at umn.edu. That's T-H-E-M-O-O-S-R-O-O-M at umn.edu. Check out the website, extension.umn.edu, and catch us on Facebook at umnbeef and at umndairy. Check out our new YouTube channel. You can see videos about the three of us. Get to know us a little better. 
the YouTube channel is the University of Minnesota Extension Beef and Dairy Team. And there's also a Farm Safety and Health YouTube channel created by our very own co-host, Emily <laughs> Kreckelborg. <laughs> wow, you really butchered my name on that I one. did. Borg. I said Borg. Borg. Kreckelborg. All right. Check us out on YouTube. That's U of M it. Extension Farm Safety and Health. There you go. See, she's much better at it. I should just let her do all of it. Correct. You should. All right. Thank you for listening. Catch you next week. Hey. Ooh.